We just heard, I will give you as a light to the nations. I've been thinking this week about that beautiful Old Testament reading for Christmas that says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light uh, from Isaiah 9. Um, That Christmas verse is also true of Epiphany as a feast day, which was yesterday, um, and as a season on our liturgical calendar. Um, Seen a great light, the light of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. I was thinking of it last night when a bunch of us walked in darkness uh, at the Deesa's house for the burning of the Christmas trees, walked in darkness and saw a great, amazing light burning Christmas trees. We, we saw and heard it on Wednesday night when we had the Epiphany pageant here and saw how the light of the star led to the three magi representing the nations of the world, recognizing and worshiping the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The second great event, as Robert um, mentioned at the beginning of the service, that we remember in the epiphany season after the magi story is this baptism of Jesus, which displays the light of God's glory. Uh, in Jesus as he is baptized and comes up out of the water, where Jesus submits to this baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins in order to prepare the way for the Lord. Baptism literally means, in the Greek, it means immersion or submersion, and derivatively means washing or purification. The verb to baptize means to submerge or to dip repeatedly, to cleanse. Um, And then it becomes the word in the New Testament and beyond for the ritual, the rite of cleansing of new birth. It's not only used um, in this kind of religious way in the Bible, Um, But it's also used, or uh, a form of this word baptize is used, for example, of dipping bread, like when it said, Judas, whoever dips the bread in the sop, that's who's going to betray me, near the end of Matthew and Mark. Um, It's also used of like a ship being sunk and lost um, forever. In other words, there's an idea with it that I want to kind of emphasized this morning, of being plunged into something and irrevocably changed. You, you can't get the bread back after you dip it. You never will have that bread the same again. In those days, you would never have that ship back that hit the rocks and went down. Now, Peter is not going to be plunged into water. Some traditions actually do that. Like the Greek Orthodox, or some of them, actually plunge the baby in this big basin of water. Um, He wants to be plunged in water. Um, in, In Jewish ritual immersion, the ideal water to be, uh, go through the ritual of cleansing was living water, which in Hebrew rhymes, mayim chayim. Um, and, and living water is moving water. 
running water. It's understood to be the cleanest water. Hence, John the baptizer baptizing in a river, right? And so this image of pouring water over someone, in this case, Peter, is a very appropriate uh, image. That's my only defense for not plunging right now today. Um, Our Christian rite of baptism is a plunging into, and I want to share five things this morning. Don't worry. Most of them I'm not going to develop very much. Um, But they're all like super important, and I hope for all the baptized in this room, they are both affirming and strengthening and transforming to remember or to press into them. So first, baptism is a plunging into the cosmos. Now, what is Mark talking about? He's going all weird on us. Um, right? Literally, it's a plunging into water, okay? Um, and water is the basic element of creation and the basis of life. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered over what? The waters, the chaos, the unformedness of the waters, and the Spirit and the Word brought the division and the coming forth and the forming and the life. Much of of this part, which is one of the two longest parts of the five, um, comes from Alexander Schmemann, who is a Greek Greek, or was a Greek Orthodox uh, priest and scholar um, who has some of the best stuff on sacramental uh, theology. He points out that water stands for all matter. Um, And... Yeah. When I say plunging into the cosmos, um, maybe better said would be a plunging into a relationship with the cosmos as it was meant to be. Or perhaps even better said, it's a plunging into new creation. I have a long section of Schmemann that I'm going to skip, but if you're interested, I will get it to you. That opening acclamation that we said uh, in the beginning of the service, there is one God, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, comes directly out of Ephesians chapter 4. The phrase in Ephesians 4 verse 6 that says, one God and Father of all, If you look at it, even if you have your Bible right now, it goes comma, who is over all and through all and hold your horses in all. What does that mean? Uh, Hans Borsma, who wrote a great a little book called Heavenly Participation, and who teaches at one of our Anglican seminaries, writes, the purpose of all matter 
all created stuff, is to lead us into God's heavenly presence, to bring about communion with God, participation in the divine life. Thus, are the sacraments simply the beginning of cosmic restoration? Now, that is a huge sentence. The sacraments are the beginning of the cosmic restoration. The entire cosmos is meant to serve as a sacrament, a material gift from God in and through which we enter into the joy of God's heavenly presence. Back to Shemaimon. He says, baptism refers us inescapably to matter. Sacraments always have to do with matter. It's the idea that God comes and ministers to us, engages us, invites our participation through created stuff, water, bread, wine. In baptism and Eucharist, he writes, we witness the restoration of matter to its original function. In another book, he writes, Christ came not to replace natural matter with supernatural and sacred matter, but to restore it and to fulfill it as the means of communion with God. The holy water in baptism, the bread and wine in the Eucharist stands for, that is, represents the whole of creation, but creation as it will be in the end, when it will be consummated in God, when God will fill all things with himself. It is this idea of in the beginning, everything, you know, when that story continues that I quoted from Genesis 1, as that story continues, there is this beautiful very goodness of the unity of all things, right? Of heaven to earth, of God with humans, of humans with humans, of humans with the earth, of all things, of God giving everything, uh, every fruit of the tree and of the plants for, for life, for communion, not to be used without God, apart from God, but as a way of knowing. And as we give thanks, as Paul says, you know, we find God in that and through that. So baptism is this idea of being plunged into, if you will, new creation of the whole, the whole created order being restored, reunited, Ephesians 1.10, as God intends. Final, final idea about this one point. When Jesus came up out of the water, did you hear it? Heaven was torn open. It's a very violent idea, actually. It says, the heavens were torn open and the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove and a voice from the Father comes from heaven. This may be another sign of the reunion of heaven and earth, that heaven will no longer be shut up as its own separate realm. God says, with my son entering into his mission, identifying with his people, a new, brand new, amazing thing is happening. Okay. Baptism is also a plunging into the body of Christ, into the covenant people of God. 
It's a rite of initiation into Christ's body. We, we have in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, made to drink of one spirit. What we're doing today, what was true at your baptism means that you're not your own. You belong to each other. Peter belongs to the people of God and the people of God belong to Peter. That's all on that point. Important point, but moving on. Third, baptism means a plunging into Christ, into his baptism, into his suffering, his death, his resurrection. Paul writes in Romans 6, all of us, who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, buried therefore with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We say in the Nicene Creed, we don't say that in this service because we actually have the Apostles' Creed that will say, But every week in the Nicene Creed, right toward the end, we say we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Now, what does that mean? It does mean as sacramental, liturgical, historical churches, we don't believe you have to keep getting baptized every time you think of another sin or I really, did I really, you know, that kind of scrupulosity and questioning. We believe in one baptism, but it also more importantly, in my opinion, means this. We believe there is one baptism that saves human beings. And it's not this one that Peter's going to engage in. It is the baptism of Jesus Christ. His baptism, which began when he said yes to his father and entered those waters, and arguably did not end until he came up out of the grave on the third day. At a later time, near the end of his life, Jesus would say, I have a baptism that I'm constrained to be baptized with. And it was his passion. It was being plunged into sin and death and brokenness and the power of Satan himself in order that he might take it on himself and end it forever. One baptism And this plunging into Christ is both corporate, as was the last point, and also individual. And you cannot separate those two. Baptism is not like how to get my behind into heaven and out of hell. It is very corporate, and it's only individual in the midst of corporate. Just like Peter's, Peter is an individual but not apart from his sisters and his parents. We will say in the Eucharist in a few minutes, toward the end, and some of us will do this just as a way of like, I want my whole body, my whole being, we'll say, sanctify us also as we receive this holy sacrament. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament 
and be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we may dwell in him. That this is, talk about cosmic. Fourth, baptism is a plunging not only into Christ, but into the Trinity. It is a plunging into the eternal communion and joy and glory and shalom of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit into what the church fathers called the dance of the exaltation of each person of the Holy Trinity over and around each other. And we see this um, in, in the um, passage today, right? All in just that one or two verses, the son submitting to the father's will, engaging in his mission, identifying with the people, going into the waters of baptism and the spirit coming down, reminding us of not of, of creation, but also of anointing of kings and prophets and priests to receive the power of the Lord for the mission of the Lord. And then the voice of the Father, the voice of the Father. We have this plunging into the Trinity, the always was, is, and always will be delight-filled relationship, which is one God in three persons. And so the voice comes, you are my son, the beloved, in whom I delight. This is uniquely, absolutely uniquely to Jesus. And through Jesus, it is the word of God to all the people he has made. You are my son. You are my child. You are mine, whom I love and in whom I delight. I, this leads to the last and arguably the most important plunging and the place I'm going to sit for just a few minutes. And it is baptism is a plunging into love. It is a plunging into divine love, the steadfast love of the Lord, the loving kindness, the chesed in the, in the Hebrew, the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases, never ceases. Jesus' baptism is a sign of himself yielding to that eternal love. And what it meant for him was taking on everything that corrupts and destroys God's loving intention for his whole creation. It meant for him taking on the pain of brokenness. It meant for him taking on the penalty of sin. It meant for him the full-on assault of Satan himself and taking it in his body in that final baptism 
when the stone was rolled over the tomb of his dead body. Baptism is a plunging into love. Into God's I love you. Despite what you've done. Oh, God says, I know what you've done. I know what you've thought. I know what you're harboring even this morning. I know what you've planned. And I love you. I love you no matter what has happened to you. No matter how defiled you feel. No matter what others think or say about you. I love you because I love you. And that's the scandal. It's not because of how hard we've worked or how cleaned up we've gotten, how great we appear. No, the scandal is you know me and I know me and it's all you and your divine purpose and your everlasting love. I love you. I made you. You are beautifully and wonderfully made for me. In saying no to the world, the renunciations we'll have in a few minutes of the world, the flesh, and the devil of sin and selfishness, and the big yes, the affirmation to God in Christ, we are simply yielding to reality, which we must. But we are yielding to reality, which is God's eternal unending love. Yes to God's, you are mine. You are loved. I delight in you. Always and forever. Nothing can change that. You can run away. You can ultimately say no. But that won't change. You are mine. You are beloved. I delight in you. This is true for Peter today. This is true for his sisters and his parents. It is true for you today. It's true to the people sitting next to you and in front of you and behind you. Beloved, a delight. It is true for every person you will see today. It's true for every person you will think about today. It's true for every person you'll hear about today. Beloved, made for God, for God's delight. Have you said yes to this? I mean, really? in the depths and core of your being, have you yielded to God's I love you? Or maybe today's a day when you do again in a deeper, fuller way. If so, or when you do, 
You are participating. You're simply participating in reality. And irreversibly changed as you've been plunged into new creation, God's family, Christ, the Trinity, and plunged into love. Purifying, covering, embracing, scandalous, unending, self-sacrificing love. This indeed is the light of the glory of God.